0: Out of the
1: box. Out of the box.
0: Meet people through their music.
1: With Ash Bertabez on FBI.
2: Another splendid morning with Alex Pye banger after banger once again and if you want to check out any of the tracks that you played you can go to the programs and playlist page on the fbi radio website check it out all there and always listen back on on demand and uh today on out of the box my guest is someone who you might see at music festivals selling merch or you might also see him in front of a class of medical students and nursing students teaching them about the brain and various other things and so actually at the moment he's doing his phd in, in it, he's looking at fatigue and shift work, which affects 16% of the workforce. So, uh, yeah, his name is Jamin Elliott, and he has come straight from teaching a class. Thanks for coming.
3: That's all right, Ash. How are you?
2: Splendid. So, how was the rush here?
3: Pretty good, actually. I think the students were kind of happy that we rushed through the end case <laughs> studies together. Yeah.
2: Nice. Nice little early mark for them. Yeah. So, what were you teaching about this morning?
3: Uh, today, we were doing pathophysiology and pharmacology, which... Disease and drugs. That's what it comes down to. (laughs) So we were teaching them about stroke, ischemic versus hemorrhagic stroke and the cranial nerves of the brain.
2: Oh, loads of fun. Yeah. What a way to spend your morning. That's it, right? All right. Well, we've got a first track to take by Basenji. So which one are we going with?
3: I had to go with Heirloom. Big fan of Dawn, but just the beat. It's a good way to start anything. Your day, dinner. Yeah.
2: All right. SBI 94.5. So beautiful. Don't we feel better now? I know. Everything's gonna be okay, Jamin. It's gonna be all right. So my guest in Out of the Box today bought that one and it's Basenji. That one was Heirloom and uh Jamin, Jamin, what a name. You have to you have to explain this to, to Yeah,
3: him. the go-to is that nobody ever gets my name right the first time I meet them. Sadly, it's either Jaden, James. Once I got Shannon from a particularly hard-of-hearing man, so that was fun. I always say that my parents were drunk when they named me, you know, firstborn. Probably. Firstborn <laughs> Irish Catholic, that whole thing.
2: Oh, that makes sense. But
3: no, nah, the, the actual origin is, um, I think Dad wanted Jay, Mum wanted Benjamin, and <laughs> kind of comes together.
2: <laughs> so the, the name is, is the baby that they had. That's it, yeah. yeah they yeah. conceived a name together. I was the
3: one afflicted with that name, baby. <laughs>
2: yeah. I'm so sorry that happened to you, Jamie. <laughs> no, I love it. It's a great name. So, right. um... You have been working on your PhD for how long now?
3: Uh, my PhD. This is my third year, mm-hmm. uh, but I guess the start would have been an undergraduate medical science honours neuroscience, and continued from there.
2: So, how much time is that this in a university? This kind is of my then? seventh
3: year in tertiary education. Seventh year. I know. Right? Did
2: you have a gap year?
3: No, no. I know. I'm one of those crazy people that hasn't.
2: What are your feelings about that? Would you recommend this path to anyone?
3: Uh, At all (laughs) If you want to get through it all, get it done, yes You know, I'll be doctored by 25, which is a a nice feeling But a big regret is not travelling enough Yeah, so at the end of the PhD, big travels South America, Israel, Europe, if we can afford it, that whole thing
2: Oh, delightful Yeah Well, you got it all planned then Yeah So can you tell us a little bit about your PhD?
3: Sure So my PhD is part of the Neuroscience Research Unit at UTS And we're looking to the effects of 12-hour shift work on the body So what does it do to our brain, our hearts and hormones?
2: And so heaps of people are shift workers. You've got, you know, nurses are shift workers, you know, mechanics on trains are shift workers, like my dad, or police or firefighters. So what's happening to these workers' brains? Sure. In short.
3: (laughs) What we suspect and what literature dictates is that if we continue activity outside of normal daily parameters, so, you know, the nine to five, we expose ourselves to uh, different physiology that we wouldn't otherwise face because, you know, we need sleep. We know we need sleep. And so, you know, typically, what, seven to eight hours a night? That's Mm -hmm. more when we're younger, less when we're older.
2: And I'm sure you're not getting that as a PhD student.
3: No, no, (laughs) none of us are. Not many of our generation are, and there's, there's suspected reasons for that. But what we think is that continued activity outside that part, it doesn't let our body rest adequately. And it's not just falling asleep. Sleep does its own things, but it's what our body also does while we're asleep, as far as our hormones go. So if we continue activity, it means that it increases our risk of metabolic diseases, cardiovascular diseases, and the like.
2: So what's happening when we sleep that we're going to need for the daytime? In, in short, I mean, it's a big question, yeah. but I mean, what's, what's the magic <laughs> procedures that good? are happening? Yeah, why, why sleep good?
3: Why sleep good? Um, sleep good because uh, <laughs> it, you know, it, it lets us rest. Restitution, but we also have consolidation of memories and regenerative processes. But when we're asleep, our hormones typically dip, so our catecholamines and Cortisol? Cortisol is your main stress hormone. It should dip when we're asleep because we don't need to fight a bear coming at us or deal with these stressful things when we should be asleep.
2: So cortisol keeps you on edge. It keeps you aware, which is what you're going to need if you're doing, you know, if you're doing a really high intensity shift work job, you're going to need your cortisol being high. That's when you should be sleeping.
3: Yeah, that's it. And so there's also maybe some sort of exacerbation with some of those more stressful occupations you mentioned. Could the cortisol actually be higher as well? So that's, that's part of my study. We're taking saliva analysis for cortisol and melatonin. Melatonin's the hormone that puts you to sleep. And you can imagine if we're not sleeping or if we're in situations that impede the amount of melatonin, we're not going to be able to sleep as well.
2: Okay. So, with 16% of the you know working population... Are shift workers. ...being shift workers, yeah. how how many accidents do you think this causes every year, having this kind of fatigue as a result of shift work?
3: Yeah. As far as exact numbers, I'm not sure. I think... Far brighter people have that available to them. But what we know is that fatigue is the main consequence of not sleeping adequately. Daytime sleepiness and fatigue. Fatigue is nasty. It's a silent killer in that we believe it's responsible for four times as many occupational accidents and drugs and alcohol combined. Wow. And it's the risk when you're driving home. So shift work is the, – there are benefits to shift work. We haven't said why it's good. Shift work is great because it allows longer periods for social and family obligations, taking the kid to school, hanging out with your mates. As well as the opportunity for secondary employment Going into a second or even third job But the risk there is that Even if you're doing a 10, 12, 16 hour shift In some occupations Travelling to and from work As an extra If you're far away Another hour and a half each way And your risk of micro-sleeps And falling out of our circadian rhythms Is the real risk there
2: Does this mean that you can actually nap to a point where you get back on track is that even possible or is that not healthy napping
3: either? napping i absolutely love yeah. to talk about because napping you know big proponent of napping the little siesta <laughs> can napping replace a good night's sleep no it cannot i don't know if it was a more famous person my mum that raised me nothing can replace a good night's sleep napping however can be really really useful in two different ways so you can have non-nappers people that just don't nap or habitual nappers people nap either prophylactically which means they will have a nap before an extended period of night work or they can do it recuperative if they've had a big night out and then they can sleep a little bit more so naps can be really good in that respect
2: so what's the best amount of time for a nap for it to be healthy and not you know getting you into an actual sleep rhythm that you're going to find it really hard to get up from
3: yeah so uh the length of the nap and the circadian placement of the nap are really important so when we fall asleep as i said before that night shift is meant to be really good and it's actually the shorter naps which we're trying to push towards in different occupations, a shorter nap on shift, 15, 20 minutes, can actually be really, really good for you. But we need more research in the field to see what the effects of sleep inertia, that's that grogginess that you feel when you wake up, mm-hmm. how much that's affecting the decision-making and attention and performance.
2: Weird. Well, we got a track to take from fishing at the moment. Which one have you bought in today?
3: I went with 19 Boy Wonder. I'm not sure if you meant to do the slash in between, but 19 Boy Wonder just because, again, <laughs> young up-and-comers love supporting Aussie artists. and yeah.
2: Wondrous on FBI 94.5. guest in Out of the Box today brought that track in it's fishing oh I love it so much it's got so many nice feelings have you seen the video for that track actually I've uh, not
3: actually no but I, I saw them up at Falls up in Byron yeah. last New Year's yeah and that was amazing how they go oh uh, really really well I think for me though I think next time I see them I'd like to see them in like a club atmosphere I want to be engulfed in music rather than being played at. Yes, a big...
2: You would be rolled in a big carpet of fishing. Yeah, that's it. Nice. Smelly, yeah. yeah, just smell it in. Yeah. Oh. <laughs> we just have a out about smell, actually. Um, we won't go into that because that was just a, a whole weird time. Yeah. Anyway, so that that actual video, there's... Um, Amelia who does Body Promise having a having a smooch in the corner of a oh, room really? in the music video uh, yeah I'll have to watch it when I get home Exactly so play spot Amelia watch that what's that music video it's cool. fantastic Okay so we've got a track to take next from The Whitlams and I wanted to ask you how did you get into The Whitlams
3: Okay so I guess music for me has to do one or two things either let me belt along at the top of my lungs at the detriment to everybody around me because <laughs> you know I was raised in a, a musical family sadly i've got the enthusiasm of an amazing singer, but the ability of just somebody who's completely tone deaf Aww. so yeah
2: it's so sad though yeah it's sad. i mean i can see the light in your eyes when <laughs> you talk about music
3: so whitlam's was my number one pick because that's my go-to karaoke song no yeah. aphrodisiac by and far that's that's why i so love the whitlam's
2: you do karaoke
3: oh god yeah 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 and any opportunity but in saying that so i recently went up and worked blues fest in the merch that you mentioned before my poor mate so it was just he and i driving up what's that a good Nine, ten hour drive It's not long Screaming along the entire <laughs> way Didn't matter what came on He slept through half of it He did well So yeah
2: Fantastic Okay, we've got the Whitlam's for you now And it is called No like, You know they're named after Gough Whitlam I just figured this yeah, out yeah, today Yeah,
0: yeah,
3: yeah oh, ta-da. They've, got a, they've got a song
2: Yeah And um, when when Goff was 90, 91 or 92 He went to their gig at the Factory Theatre Just <laughs> over in Marrickville Yeah And he was like That's the first rock gig I've ever been to <laughs> What
1: a bloke A letter to you on a cassette Cause we don't write anymore Gotta make it up quickly There's people asleep on the second floor There's no aphrodisiac like loneliness Truth, beauty, and a picture of you be asleep in my brother's house you're a thousand miles away with food between your teeth come up for summer i've got a place near the beach there's room for your dog there's no no aphrodisiac like loneliness youth, truth, beauty
2: Brought in by my guest today, Jamin Elliott. That was the Whitlam's.
3: Poor Ash had to deal with me, sing along to that the oh entire my God. way through.
2: You know what? It wasn't too bad because some of the lines there are corkers, and I can see your face just light up. <laughs> what are some of your favourite lines in that track?
3: Uh, it's got to be the gun-toting-trigger-happy-tranny-named-kinky-Renee. That's just <laughs> got to be it. Hands down.
2: That's very... <laughs> i have a picture in my head i know right yeah that's, that's exactly what you want yeah. okay so soon we'll come with come along with a track that you know you get embarrassingly excited yeah, about as bit. well but first i mean you do a lot of work at in selling merch so why how how does that come about
3: uh so about six odd years ago uh my godmother offered me work so she she uh she sold merchandise a big day out so i've done Big Doubt, Soundwave, in the Moo, blah, blah, blah. The list goes on, as well as the general store at um, Falls and Splendour. So, hey, guys, if you ever see me around, that's where you'll find me at most, if not all, festivals. But
2: He's got a moustache and he's handsome. Oh, thank you. Well,
3: that's <laughs> nice. Um, so, why it's a little bit of work on the side around the scholarship with uni? Because I can't work a normal job. I used to work in a medical clinic and then PhD kind of... They own you. So, they pay you and they kind of own you. So, it's work around
2: that. Wow. You're an owned man. Yeah, a little bit. So do you get to go backstage and actually meet artists when you're doing merch? Is that part of the part of the perks?
3: Occasionally you do. If you have to settle merch and everything, you have to sort out of count at the end of the mm-hmm. night. So uh, I, I always love comparing, um, or, uh, do a lot of work at the M.O. Theatre because I live in Newtown. Um, I had to work at Cypress Hill just after working... Chet Faker. They were pretty near each other.
2: Wow. So, what was the backstage at Cypress Hill like? Yeah,
3: Cypress Hill. Like, they put on an amazing show. Doesn't matter if they get any, or they were so good. But I walked backstage to settle their merch, and I, one, couldn't see through the haze of marijuana. I, I, it was all vision was lost. Had to bump into people to find the band. <laughs> and each of them was sitting down, and they would have had, oh, a minimum two, three girls on each thigh. Nobody under a nine out of 10. It was just ridiculous. Wow. That lifestyle, you know.
2: <laughs> Not for you, or for you? Uh, you know.
3: Fun to watch. Definitely fun to <laughs> yeah. watch. By comparison, Chet Faker when I went backstage, none of this, no strippers, no blow. What did he have? He just had a barista and a little coffee machine.
2: Oh, that's adorable. It was really sweet. Was it just him sitting alone with No, I no, had his, his mates little... and everything. Okay, but cool. you yeah, know, just
3: barista <laughs> and a coffee machine, it was really sweet.
2: That's darling. Yeah. So have you ever embarrassed yourself in front of any of these artists that you've right. been able to meet?
3: I always managed to embarrass myself in some way. I reckon <laughs> worst one was probably again, uh, working I think it was the more. It was on Blondie. Blondie, Debbie oh. Harris had her um Three day gig, and it was a 65th birthday on the last day. But I managed to go backstage to get some stuff signed to sell, and of course I got all excited. And I was like, "Oh, it's a it's a it's a pleasure to meet you, Miss Miss Blondie." She goes, "Sweetie, just just call me Dev." I was like,
0: "Oh yeah, <laughs> oh, Debbie Harris me to call Blondie.
3: me Dev." Ah, oh, so yeah, that was. Plus <laughs> your cotton
2: me. socks, Jamin. Yeah,
3: I keep managing to embarrass myself in front of famous so,
2: people. So, oh, but you were up close and personal with. Yeah, Debbie you know, Harry. calling
3: me heart of glass. That was awesome. She was. Gorgeous. Yeah. Yeah.
2: Beautiful lady. Yeah. Wonderful. So uh, now let's take a track by Northeast Party House, and I mean you don't have to, you don't have to tell me how you feel about Northeast Party House because I can see right now on your face you're just
3: fidgeting with excitement. You're
2: fidget- yeah, you're, you're about to explode. <laughs> yeah. So okay, maybe go ahead.
3: Uh, Really, lo- really love them. I'm sadly probably I like to think one of the biggest fan girls. Seen them seven times now over the last year and a half. Wow. Yeah, I know, right? So it's just the energy, the sound. I absolutely love it. Um, I've worked from once, bumped into the lead singer a couple of times up at Falls, and then I was at Mountain did you, Sound. Did you keep it cool though? No, not at all. No, no. <laughs> I had to get a had to get a photo together, but I was better at Mountain Sounds because I was seeing. I think it was touch sensitive. It was getting late at night, looking at the stage, and it was all bright. And somebody's walking towards you. Oh, hey Jay, how you going, mate? And it was the lead singer. <laughs> I just lost my shit. I was so excited. <laughs> Didn't ask for a photo, though. I thought that was slightly cooler of me. Yeah. Yeah.
2: You're a real cool cat. <laughs> and he's Embezzler by Northeast Party House, brought in by my guest today, Jamin Elliott. again. A band that you could be seeing at Splendour, that's Purity Ring, and the, the track was brought in by my guest today, Jamin Elliott. Which one did we have? Which one?
3: Begin Again. Off the, that was the first single of the new album, right?
2: <laughs> yes. As if they, they didn't say Begin Again enough times for me yeah, to actually remember it. that. Yeah. <laughs> I was just giving you the responsibility because I'm like, I, I don't want to get this right. Okay. Yes. Anyway, so my guest in of the Box today is Jamin Elliott. He is a PhD candidate as part of the Neuroscience Research Unit, and I guess in a year you'll be a doctor. So, you know, that's a lot of a lot of work and a lot of sleepless nights, and we were just talking about sleep not long ago because your thesis is looking at shift work and fatigue. But you would have come to know more than just about shift work, you would have come to know a bit more about sleep and what it does for us and why we need it. So I, mean, I think our generation has like a bit of a problem with sleep, a bit more of a problem than our parents' generation might have. Why is that?
3: It's a combination of things we suspect so far. I reckon, personally, I reckon the one that's the, the, the hardest one for us to do with is, what are we doing most time just before we go to sleep? We're usually looking at our smartphones or our laptops. An issue here is when we look at bright white light, bright light, it, it impedes the hormone melatonin. So I mentioned melatonin earlier. I'm on, one of the ones we're assessing part of the project. Mm-hmm. It's a hormone that prepares our body for rest. It lowers our core body temperature and lets us fall asleep. The thing is, if you're staring at bright light, and some environments, like in shift working ones, there is bright light, it impedes the volume of this hormone, so, logically, we can't achieve sleep. So the issue is if we're staring at smartphones, let alone, you know, whole other conversation, addiction to social media, what are the triggers of social media? I didn't get enough likes. What does that comment mean? Blah, blah, blah. That keeps us awake Oh, God, as well. yes. <laughs> yeah, you know. Yeah. Um, what,
2: what was the tone all about there? Oh, my God.
3: <laughs> yeah. Fortunately, smarter people than us have come together and have made apps that actually change the hue of the screen.
2: One of them, I think, I might have my computer. is yeah? Flux. Flux, yeah, yeah, because
3: yeah. um, lux is how you measure light intensity, and flux comes from. That. Is that the pink or yellow tinge, or can you choose a tinge?
2: It basically, I, I think you can either make it really, really dark, okay. or you can make it so it's kind of yellowy, so it actually matches the light around you, instead of getting that white light, which is really intense on your eyes. That's it, and really stops you from, you know, producing melatonin. I yeah, guess. that's it. Yeah. So then, I guess clearly the recommendation would be not to use screens. But what if that's really difficult? Is there another way to counteract the um, the bad influence of of white light and screens?
3: As far as, you know, avoiding it, you know, is, is the best way to go about it. If you could read a book, if you could do something else, we should try to avoid eating or exercise just before we go to sleep. Mm-hmm. I think they're really- Avoid eating. Thing. Oh, yeah, because think about it. If you're eating, you're digesting. Uh-huh. It's making your body do something you should otherwise be asleep for. And hand in hand with that, if you eat a large meal before you go to sleep, you're more likely to gain weight because people with sleep deficits, people that don't get enough sleep, it um, increases their hormone ghrelin and decreases their hormone leptin. So ghrelin is one that uh, the hormone that instigates hunger and leptin is one that's more so satiety, you know, I've eaten enough. So people who don't get enough sleep often gain weight or are at a greater risk of obesity because of the imbalance of these hormones.
2: Have you found that in any of your research to do with shift work and fatigue?
3: So I'm personally not assessing the volumes of those hormones, but yeah, the shift workers I'm looking at, they go one of two ways, they either end up super duper fit, gym gym junkies, the guys and the girls, mm. or Rapidly when they begin shift work They just balloon in mass And we suspect it's the combination of that The sleep deficit And also the environment of shift work Doesn't leave a lot of opportunity for wiggle room If you don't prepare your meals What are you going to get? You're going to get fast food Mm -hmm. And that's just going to go straight to your hips and bum Depending where you are
2: Damn There's no real way around that though, is there, without there being, you know, a healthy canteen at all shift worker locations.
3: Some occupations of shift workers do actually motivate them. So quitting smoking is a really big one, as well as um, free access to a gym. Mm-hmm. But yeah, achieving that good night's sleep is probably one of the most important things.
2: I guess I'm throwing you in the deep end here because I'm sure there's a lot of interesting things but what's one of the most interesting findings in your work so far?
3: For mine, one so far so we've assessed 285 shift workers that are doing explicitly a 12 hour shift and overall their perceptions of stress their lifestyle risk factors and their blood pressure are actually pretty good. What is terrifying is the predominating sleep quality and fatigue symptom severity in about 69 percent and 51 percent respectively it's really really of concern
2: wait so more than half of them have fatigue
3: <laughs> more than half have got severe fatigue and poor sleep quality which we believe is the main cause severe
2: of fatigue and yeah. so what, what are the what are the results and the, the feelings you get from severe fatigue
3: fatigue is the inability to continue performing a mental or physical task so you can imagine as you mentioned some of those different kinds of shift workers if they can't can't, can't keep doing their task that other people care for if they're operating heavy machinery not only exposes themselves but others to risk and it's not even just risk at work if a person is fatigued and they're traveling home the risk of going off the roads hitting another vehicle is also
2: increased isn't it hard to know though when you're actually fatigued and you're driving i find that you know a lot of people don't think that they were that tired but all of a sudden microsleep how how can you tell
3: i love that new ad campaign never trust your never trust your tired self it's a really really good one and so (laughs) you know fatigue The real push in other research at the moment is to identify a non-invasive detector for fatigue. If we could hypothetically have a police officer come over and go, oh... I'm just gonna pop this little device you your forehead. Ooh, you are this fatigue, pull over half an so hour. So
2: basically like a like a breathalyzer, a breathalyzer for, tired people. for your tired
3: people, wouldn't wouldn't that be great? Yeah. You know? Um, so they've done research in, in other countries so far, they've looked at, you know, head nodding, you know, when you're you're in a lecture and you just head nod, head oh, nod. Man. That's not completely effective, it's only about seventy percent. Instead they're looking more towards electrooculography, which is the movement of your eye, using a device to measure the movement of your eye, because your eye movement slows down as you're heading towards the first stage of sleep. But again, more research needs to be done to identify what, to what effect the fatigue is going to affect us on the roads and how do we prevent that? How do we ameliorate it?
2: Yeah. So when you're talking about the, um, the oculography way of doing it, doesn't that mean that you have basically like a laser shining your eye? <laughs>
3: basically, yeah. Yeah, so not ideal. They can either do electromyography, which is muscle movement. They can attach it to either eyelid or, yeah, the electrography. It's, it's usually a laser or some sort of camera observing the movement of the eye. Okay. So it's not quite... It is still non-invasive; doesn't get all up inside you, but it is kind of still invasive <laughs> if they're doing that in a driving environment.
2: I'm just picturing these kind of like medical tassels that are attached to your <laughs> eyebrows that kind of sense the muscle movement in your eye. Yeah. Maybe that's our future. Maybe we'll be looking really cool when we drive at just night. Just your false, ashle- <laughs> false
3: eyelashes can also detect your your eye movement. Is that it? Yeah,
2: that's a great idea. That's a good one. Is it? Yeah.
3: Yeah, worth patenting.
2: Oh, totally. <laughs> Patented right here on FBI ninety four point five. Ash with, mine. Yep, with my guest, Jamin Elliott. I'm Ash Bertabez. That is our idea. Don't you dare take it. Anyway, our next track is by Gorillaz. Which one do we have?
3: Uh, so I've got to thank Duncan, Duncan, my primary school mate, for introducing me to Gorillaz. We were probably about oh, nine or ten, and it's just been a loving relationship ever since. And with, you know, we know Damon Albarns and Blur's back for Splendour. Really excited for both. But I had to go with Rock the House.
4: you like that, you want to try that, it's like a flashback, so shake your ass. I got the boss, to rock the salsa, funk a blues or any groove to make your move cause taking you to another landscape, it's my mandate. I'm highly animated even though I'm decomposing, so if your feet is frozen, I'ma die to see open c rhyme and the DJ spin, I want y'all to just get down. Now while the MC rhyming and the DJ cutting, I want y'all to just get down. Now when the MC rhyming and the DJ spin, I want y'all to just get down. Now while the MC rhyming and the DJ cutting, I want y'all to just get down. Tap your toes and clap your hands. How many people ready to rock the house? Come on, trace the globe and shake your pants. How many people ready to rock the house? Just twist the hip and do the dip. How I many people ready to rock the house? Come on, shake your bank, do whatever it takes. How I many people ready to rock the house? Gravitational pull, I have you making a fool Out of yourself on the dance floor Doing back spins, running man and more Party down with vigor and candor Come into the jam or look like a landlubber And do the aqua boogie, win lots of goodies, baby Pop the Gucci while the turntables is talking to me It's awfully groovy seeing all the treasure and the booty And the mc rhyme and the DJ spin I want y'all to just get down Now while the mc Rhyme and the DJ spin y'all to just get down. And when the MC rhyme and the DJ spin, I want y'all to just get down. Now while the MC rhyming and the DJ cutting, I want y'all to just get down. Tap your toes and clap your hands. How many people ready to rock the house? Come on, trace the globe and shake your pants. How many people ready to rock the house? Just twist the hip and do the different How many people ready to rock the house? Come on, shake the bank, do whatever
2: it takes. How many people ready to rock the house? And that's a a love song dedication. Got a guy, Duncan Duncan Bell. Oldest a, friend. Yeah, an oldest friend from—is it Manly High?
3: Yes, yeah, so we did high school and primary school together. So known since kindy now.
2: Oh, you guys, I so know, cute. Right? Yeah. So, um, because you have quite a unique name, yeah, it was really hard to find anything about you online to prepare myself with today. But I did find something kind of interesting. Yeah, Manly High Goss to the max.
3: Goss to the max. There
2: is a website, um, made by someone who calls herself Sexy Steph. Sure, yeah, and uh, so it's like, hi guys, I have a blog. If you want all the latest rumors and schoolyard gossip, here it is. Oh, god, yeah. So, do you remember any of these people? Ariane and Sigourney are dating, uh, starting salsa dancing together.
3: Yeah, my school captain, yeah, I remember Ariane and Sigourney <laughs> well.
2: Yep, uh, Wade hit Anika Blom on the head with a skateboard. Ouch,
3: Anika was Ariane's older sister, yeah, <laughs> and Wade was my mate.
2: Poor Doug got rejected after asking Rosie out.
3: Yeah, that, well, plenty of people asked Rosie out and she can attest to that and <laughs> got shut down.
2: Katie Traher is planning to challenge Mimi to a sing-off. You go, girl.
3: Katie, again. Katie, Duncan and I. Kindy onwards. Oh, that's cool.
2: <laughs> a table tennis table collapsed once again, causing injury to unnamed victims during PE class.
3: Manly was a deadly place. Those table, t- those table tennis tables were always killing people.
2: Um, okay, there's so many things here. <laughs> I've never seen this. You're
3: going to have to link it to me. It's,
2: it's fantastic. Awesome. Another one about Wade. Uh, he's come down with what he likes to call PSS and other sicknesses, syndromes, or whatever that he seems to get from Shan. Oh, are they lovers or haters? <laughs> like, and it's all in rainbow and there's you know, all school is always written with a K. Okay. No CH. It's, it's all of the proper vintage stuff. This is like one of the first blogs in the world.
3: You've just sorted out the rest of my weekend now. I know, right? Yeah. You, you were done. Yeah. You're going to
2: be catching up with all these people. That's it. New goss. <laughs> and in it... You are only ever mentioned several times. Oh,
3: several. Oh, God. Okay, yeah.
2: But with the same thing being said over and over again. Yeah. Jamin Elliot is wrong.
3: Yeah, that sounds about right. No matter what <laughs> that, I do. That's hot gossip. Yeah. That, that ran into uni as well. People laughing at me if I asked a dumb question. Yeah? Yeah, yeah I like that.
2: So is it because you were a like, you know, big nerd that got everything right and that was the hot gossip that you got something wrong?
3: No, it was just a frequency of super duper dumb questions. Totally off topic. Totally unnecessary. And I'd always get the question, let alone the answer wrong.
2: <laughs> yeah. You can't get a question wrong That doesn't make any sense uh, yeah. The other thing in here is that you can name all the Neopets
3: Neopets? Yeah God
0: you, Pokemon you could do maybe
3: Neopets I couldn't do Now Pokemon, still an avid fan Neopets oh God, no What was that? Flotsam? Flotsam and Jetsam I remember two of them <laughs> And the Lupin? But oh, no, man. bigger bigger Pokemon fan nowadays. Have
2: I thrown you back into the past? Are you Are yeah, you reeling? Yeah, yeah, no. Oh, there's so much more for you that to read. A little
3: bit of six coming up the back of my throat. Exactly. Oh God,
2: yeah. it's all happening over again. So yeah. how, did you have a good time in high school though, overall? Do you reckon?
3: I did. I was that loser that did um, all the student leadership stuff at every opportunity. Yep. You know, loved all those things.
2: So you get the inspirational speakers and I'm, shu- I'm assuming...
3: The inspirational speakers? Yeah,
2: for the student leadership stuff.
3: Oh, yeah. Any opportunity to embarrass ourselves. So, you know, graduation, I was the MC and
2: oh, yeah, yes. those things.
3: Where? Uh, Harry. Harry performed, uh, what was it? Champagne Supernova.
2: Sha- Harry's my boyfriend. This is Sorry. This is happening on the radio. Yeah. Um, Champagne Supernova. It was
3: beautiful. I think I can find a, co- a, co- a
2: copy of that for you. Bless his cotton yeah. socks. If you can, that would be great. I'll do my best. I'll embarrass him with it. Yeah. Oh, so we've got a track to take next and it's by Blood Diamonds. It's called Phone Sex and it's featuring the wonderful Grimes. Yeah. So uh, what is the reason that you would like to bring this song on the show?
3: One, because I've got a really nasty habit of just playing songs to death. Mm-hmm. And Blood Diamonds, I, I, I just played it constantly for whenever it came out about a year or two ago. But I thought also it would be cool to talk about a little bit off topic, sexuality in the brain, what we've come to learn so far.
2: Exactly. So what... What piqued your interest or piqued your interest, I should say, in sexuality and the brain?
3: It was like a lot of researchers can attest to this feeling when you go to prepare for something and then you just caught caught down this massive rabbit hole. And I was meant to be preparing for one of my nursing classes. And then I just started reading and reading more and more and more. And it's recent, well, not recent advances, but stuff that I wasn't aware of before as parts of different parts of the brain being sexually dimorphic and what it means for... What does that mean, sorry? Sexually dimorphism is uh, the... Binary, male, female, which mm-hmm. we've come to a test now with gender fluidity and all the rest, but sexually dimorphic cells in the hypothalamus, which is part of the brain.
2: So, does that mean that you will have both genders and you could switch between them? They're maybe?
3: distinct cells between okay, the two genders. Yeah. But the one that I was learning about then was about the, uh, the, study done i think out of Canada. um it was found uh that the suprachiasmatic nucleus or scn it's a part of the hypothalamus that's that re- that's responsible for entraining our body to the repetitive sequence of night and day yep. in homosexual males at postmortem, it was a part of it was two and a half times larger than heterosexual males
2: wait so this is during the autopsy there's a part of the brain that is twice as large what's it responsible for Th-
3: that that repetitive sequence of night and day okay it, it was part of the vasopressin cells i think at, at the time. But what they did was they, used an analysis they went and did a rat-based study, and they gave, you know, control and the non-control group, this chemical that made that part of the brain enlarge, and they started to exhibit bisexual behaviour.
2: So you can make rats bisexual?
3: In bi- that sample. The, the study's been hmm. contested a little bit recently, as far as sample size and all this, but again, really, really interesting stuff.
2: So as, as regards sexuality and the brain, does that mean that, I guess, we are set in our sexuality to an extent? at birth?
3: I don't think we're ever going to be able to completely answer the question of nature versus nurture. There's all that stuff going on with the new quite inflammatory stuff with epigenetics, let alone the trying to find a gay gene. Mm -hmm. And like we were chatting before, there was a study, I think 2013, which was, they've done quite a large pool, 400 pairs of twins where at least one male was homosexual, blah, blah, blah. And it was terrifying learning about it because 20 years prior, they'd done a similar study, much smaller. And they found, they, they claimed, oh, we found this gay gene, whatever else.
2: Oh, I remember this. Yeah. So is this, was this the, the infamous Daily Mail article? That's it, yeah. Do you, yeah. Want to, do you want to get that out and read it? I, I just <laughs> loved it.
3: It was ad verbatim. So they, they claimed that they'd found a gay gene, which has been heavily contested ever since, but they claimed it. And the Daily Mail in 1993 ran with this title, abortion hopes after finding gay gene.
2: Wow. Don't
3: you love the world?
2: Oh, I hate the world so much right, right. now. Right. <laughs> You know. And this is only 20 years ago. So, yeah. I mean, that's within our lifetimes. Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah, yeah, there were hopes that people who were gay could have been aborted. Plan ahead. Just yeah, aborted. Go, go absolutely. To yeah, It's that simple. Yeah. That's disgusting. It is, isn't it? And so I remember reading something that says now maybe, you know, there's a, a gay gene that we can say is 40% responsible for people being gay, which, you know, then the 60% is just going to be environmental factors, yeah. which is not just societal factors, but all of the environmental factors. Yeah. Do you think that's more to the point? It, or
3: It's that push towards, it's not nature versus nurture, but nature and nurture. Mm-hmm. And I think that's where uh, epigenetics, that's the new push. And it is a lot heavily contested in saying that it's the phenotype, how genes present without changing the underlying... Genetics. So they think it's supported by the fact that we can have uh, identical twins that are genetically identical, but only one is homosexual. They Mm -hmm. think that it's when and how the genes will activate.
2: I see. Yeah. And there was another study that actually looked at the brains of both gay and straight men and gay and straight women. What did it find?
3: It found that overall morphologically, homosexual male brains are most structurally similar, or the volumes are, to... Heterosexual females and homosexual females are most similar to heterosexual males, and they found that in a few other parts of the brain as well.
2: So, does that kind of say that you know there's like a, a femininity and a masculinity linkage there, or is that
3: well, that's that sexual dimorphism that we mentioned earlier? Okay, on. yeah,
2: it's all making sense. <laughs> it's really interesting. Yeah. So, is this why you got into into neuroscience to try and figure out the I big questions? Definitely, of life? I definitely,
3: I <laughs> definitely tried to run with an honest project involving sexuality, but it, it got knocked back because sadly. We've got all this really cool stuff that we can find out, but there's no money behind it. True. Simple as that. There's much more money into fatigue awareness and protecting lives. And so that's what I ran with with shift work.
2: Yeah. Makes sense. Yeah. Which you've done really well with. Thank you. Wonderful. Um, so we've got a track to take, and it is the one that we mentioned just before Blood Diamonds, Phone Sex, featuring Grams. Here we go. An FBI 94.5.